Romans chapter 8. Look with me, if you will. I'm going to begin reading in verse uh, 18, I think, is where I want to start reading. The Bible says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And I want to call your attention back to a couple verses here. Verse 22 says that the whole creation groaneth. Do you see that? And in verse 23, about the middle of that verse, it says, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. And then at the end of verse number 26, it says, The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And I underline those words in my Bible, these groanings. And by the way, that's going to be our life until we get to glory, until we get a glorified body, we are groaning all the way to glory. And so I want to continue the message that I started on Wednesday night, and I want to preach on that thought this morning, groaning to glory, groaning to glory. Let's pray together and ask God to help us as we look in His Word. Father, we love You. Lord, we're thankful for what You've already done in our hearts this morning. Lord, how You have helped us. Lord, how You have, uh, Lord, just, uh, just excited our souls this morning in You. And Lord, I'm thankful for that. God, I pray that you would encourage us from the Word of God today. Lord, you know, Lord, what's on my heart, this Scripture has gripped me and uh, has yet to let me go. And Lord, I just want to preach from, Lord, just some of the overflow of what you've done in my heart through these, these, uh, these truths out of these verses. And God, I pray that you'd help your people this morning. Get all the praise, get all the honor, get all the glory for everything that's done. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
Well, there's something inside of every Christian that knows that this world is not our home. As Judy was saying something just about that a minute ago. So this world, once you get saved, so this world just ain't got nothing for you anymore. And I don't know about you, but there's just something inside of me that it just doesn't bear witness with what's going on in this world. I feel like I've been made for another world. I feel like I've been made for a place I've never even been. But yet there's a longing in my heart. And we are suspended in between two worlds. We don't belong to this one and we haven't gone to that one just yet. We're living between the, 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 the now and the not yet uh, the, the present and the promise. And we are suspended in between the two. And I know in my heart as I read these scriptures and I read other scriptures, there's something in my heart that, that longs for the promise that is given in these scriptures, the hope that is given in these scriptures. I know there is something better to come. Paul said that he was in a strait betwixt two. He knew he needed to do the will of God here in this earth, but he said to depart and be with Christ would be far better. Not just better, but far better. It would absolutely blow our minds. I'm talking about, well, that's why we got to get glorified minds one day because half a millisecond inside of glory, our minds would just explode with just how wonderful it's going to be on the other side. And the term that we use, the theological term that we use for this one day, this someday that we began singing about this morning, we began the service singing about that someday, my trials here on earth will cease someday and I will have unending peace someday, some happy day. And uh, that's what we're looking forward to, no doubt about that. And the theological term for that is what we call glorification, when we are going to be glorified. And that is what is view in view in our text, isn't it? Verse number 18, he talks about the glory which shall be revealed in us. Verse number 19, he talks about the manifestations of the sons of God. That's when we are presented, when what we really are will be manifested on the outside. Verse 21 talks about being delivered from the bondage of corruption. Verse 23 talks about the adoption and the redemption of our body. What a wonderful, glorious day that is going to be. Paul said a little something about it in Philippians 3 when he said that our conversation is in heaven. That's what he meant by it. He said our lifestyle, our life is in heaven. When you get saved, now we got a work to do. That's why God doesn't just beam you up, Scotty. You know, he don't just take you on out. He don't rapture you up the moment you get saved. You got There's a work to do. There's something for us to do. God's got a, God's got a will. God's got a plan for our life. But in, a, in an eternal sense, in a positional sense, our conversation is in heaven. He said in Ephesians 2 that we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. And he goes on in Philippians 3 to say uh, that, who, that Jesus Christ shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. That is our hope. That is our 
promise that is our future for every child of God. Everyone that has been called, everyone that has been justified. Verse 30 says in our, in our text in Romans 8 that they will be what? Glorified. They are glorified. How about that? What an amazing thing that is. One day, praise God, we won't have to worry about this corrupt world. We won't have to worry about these sin-cursed bodies any longer. And we are right now living in bondage. We are hindered. We can't worship God like we ought to. In fact, our text tells us we can't pray like we ought to. We can't worship God like we ought to. We can't live as we ought to. And I know there's victory and the Spirit of God gives us victory. But can I tell you, as long as we're living in this flesh, there is going to be a constant struggle. And so we wait, right? And while we wait, the Bible says that we are groaning. There's this groaning. I, I dealt with that Wednesday night. I'm not going to... I'm not going to try to rehash everything that I preached Wednesday night, but while we're waiting, there is this groaning going on that we looked at in our text. That word groaning, it just simply means a moaning because of calamity. It's a sigh. It's a mournful sound that's uttered in pain and sorrow and anguish. I'm not going to take time to do it this morning, but Wednesday night I took you over to Exodus chapter number 2. If you want a biblical definition for what groaning is, go over to Exodus chapter number 2 and you'll find the children of Israel, the Israelites, they are in bondage in Egypt. And the Bible says that they sighed by reason of the bondage. The bondage caused them to utter deep, mournful sounds. And then that very next verse says that God heard their groanings. That's what groaning is. It's a sigh by reason of... It's, it's a realization that you are trapped, but you don't want to be. <laughs> it's a realization that you are hindered, that you are fettered. And can I tell you, this old flesh that we live in, it is a, I think Dottie Rambo, the songwriter, called it, called it bars of bone is what we live in. We live in a prison. This house of flesh, she said, is but a prison. Bars of bone or my soul. But she said, one glad day, they're going to burst wide open. Amen. And that's a good way to think of it. This flesh that you and I live in, in a lot of ways, it's a bondage, isn't it? It's, 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 a, it's a house of that is a prison. This house of flesh is but a prison. And that's where the sighing comes from. It's a, been overwhelmed, unable to even really hardly cry out to God because of oppression and bondage. We groan, the Bible says, within ourselves. It's an internal, inside cry to God, a sigh of deep pain and deep mourning. We find out this groaning is coming from several different places. Creation is groaning, and that's really what we touched on on Wednesday night. This world is under a curse, oh, yeah. and it is groaning right now. You say, I don't hear it groaning. Oh, it's groaning. And it is waiting. this world is waiting. It ain't waiting for some kind of save-the-whale activist. Come on now. It ain't waiting for some environmentalist wacko to come save some hoot owl or something. Come hug some tree, something like that. Come on now. That ain't what this world's waiting on. This world's waiting on its king. This world is waiting on its creator to step foot back on this planet and make things right. Amen. So creation is groaning. Creation is groaning. 
But not only that, but the Christian is groaning, right? And that's what we see in verses 23, 24, 25. And then you get in 26, 27, and you see the comforter is groaning. The spirit is groaning. Groanings are coming from three different places, from creation and from the Christian and from the comforter. And I want to really just draw your attention to the rest of the passage, verses 23 and following. And I, I want us just to look at a couple truths. I want you to notice just a few truths concerning this groaning all the way to glory. And I want you to look at it with me just for a moment before we go to the house. Number one, let me say this about groaning that first of all, I think the first simple, very obvious observation to make is this, that our groanings, number one, are made with hurt. They come from hurt. Our groanings are produced by the hurts and the pains of life. Every hurt and every pain we experience that produces this groaning, it serves as a reminder that we are still in bondage. Every time we feel that pain on the inside, and I'm not necessarily just talking about physical pain, I'm talking about that that crying out inside of us that knows that this is not what we were made for. This is not right. This is not it. This is not all that there is. This groaning, the Bible says in verse 23, is within ourselves. It's an internal, it's an emotional groaning. It is a spiritual groaning. It is a sigh that is within us and it comes from the pain that we feel in this life. Thinking about those Egyptians every time they woke up in the morning and realized that they had to live another day being slaves to somebody else. I believe they woke up and they Side just a little bit. I think there was groaning inside of them. And every day they would go out and they had to make those bricks, and it was a cruel task. They sighed within themselves and they said, Oh Lord, how long? And every time an Egyptian whip come across the back of one of those Israelite slaves, they would groan within themselves and they would say, Oh God. How long? And God heard their groanings, the Bible said. And that's exactly what it is. I don't know what your Egyptian whip is, but I have felt the pains of living in this sin-cursed world. And they cause me to groan. They cause me to cry out from the inside. Oh, Lord, I know this is not how you intended it for it to be. I, I know this is not how you created this world to be. I know this is not what... You want it to be. It's not the way it ought to be. Every time we follow a casket down to the graveyard, there's a groaning in my heart. And I say, God, I know this ain't what you made this thing. By the way, you can't blame God for these things. God made this world perfect. God made this world without sin. God gave man everything that his heart could ever want. It was man's disobedience that brought sin and sorrow and death into this world. It's not God's fault. Look in the mirror. It's our fault. You say, well, I wasn't there. That's what Adam and Eve did. Yeah, but you'd have done the same thing, maybe worse. Maybe sooner. Amen. That's exactly. You're foolish and naive and proud if you think what you'd have done would have been any different. 
than what they did. Amen. Amen. There's a groaning inside of us because we know this ain't how God made this. Every time I make a hospital visit, visit somebody in pain in the hospital, I, I groan just a little bit. Amen. I say, Lord, I know this is not what it should be. Every time we watch somebody we love in pain and poor health. How many of you have had to watch somebody you love, their health just deteriorate and decay? and These bodies just going down. How many of you know what it's like to feel that yourself? I mean, you know what it's like to get up in the morning, and I don't know if it's spiritual or not, but you groan. Amen. Some other body part is hurting that you didn't even know you had hurting from somewhere. It's a groaning on the inside. It's a groaning. Every time I see the effects of sin and the results of sin in somebody's life, I've had them sit in my office and groan. So preacher, I, I, I messed up. I made a mistake. I, I, I done this. Every time we see somebody that we love and they go off into this world, They used to be in church with us and they used to worship with us and they used to say they love God and they used to look like they serve God, but now they're out living out there. I look at that. I don't know what you do, but I sigh. I groan. I say, I hate this world. I hate the devil. I hate sin. I hate, I hate it, and there's a groaning inside of me. If that doesn't bother you to watch somebody walk away, if it doesn't bother you to watch somebody choose sin and live with the consequences of sin, I, I don't know what's wrong with you because inside of the real Christian, there's some groanings inside of them. I've seen it time and time again. Watch another family get cold on God. They used to serve God. They used to be faithful, but now, man, they're just cold. They just sit there in the church, just stone-faced. Man, I hate sin. I groan. There's something inside of me that just says, oh, God. It hurts. Sometimes it's unbearable. Sometimes I can hardly even stand it. How just horrible sin is. Separates friend from friend, separates family, separates people from God. That's all sin does is divides. Sin is a separator. There's a groaning inside of us. Every time watch one Christian attack another Christian, one church member fight with another church. Man, I hate sin. Man, I just groan inside of me. Every time. I've personally chosen sin over the glory of God and honoring God. And I look back and think about my shameful behavior. And I think, man, I'll tell you what I'm most sick of. I'm just sick of me. I'm sick of this flesh. I'm sick of temptation. I'm sick of sin. And I just groan thinking, man, why in the world did I do that? And I just groan on the inside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about groanings. There's a groaning that is within ourselves. It's because of sin. And all these things I feel 
enslaved. And I know, I know positionally I've been set free. Positionally I'm in Christ. Positionally I'm seated in heavenly places. Positionally my conversation is in heaven. I know all these things, but right now I'm living in bondage of this world and of my flesh. And I want to praise God like I ought to. And there's just something holding me back. And I want to worship God like I need to. And there's just something holding me back. And I want to live for God like like He deserves to be lived for. But I just feel something holding me back. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we sigh because of bondage. That's groaning. Because of bondage. Bondage is made by hurt. I, I can't help but think to come to the same conclusion that <laughs> what Paul cried out in chapter number 7 and verse 24. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And I... Can identify when Paul's preaching and thousands are getting saved. I have a hard time identifying with them right there, just to be honest about it. When Paul is in prison and yet at midnight he's singing praises to God, I still have trouble identifying with Paul. But when old Paul cries out, Oh, wretched man that I am, I say, Oh, there we are. I'm right there with you, brother Paul. What a wretched man that I am. I'm glad that's not a rhetorical question, by the way. Who shall be able to deliver me from the body of this death? I'm glad that's not a a question that doesn't have an answer. Because it gives the answer in the next verse, verse verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ. (laughs) Thank God. I'm glad He gives victory. Our groanings are made with hurt. Secondly, let me say this really quick. Number two. I'm glad, I'm glad that's not the end of the story. I'm glad, I'm glad we ain't just going home right there. Just shut the box. Y'all want to go home? Oh, life's horrible, miserable. Just hold on, you know. Hold on a little longer. It gets worse. Y'all go, let's go eat some lunch. I'm glad, there, I'm glad there's, there's good news in here. Because our groanings, not only are they made with hurt, but secondly, let me say this, our groanings are mixed with hope. Our groanings are mixed with hope. I'm glad my groanings ain't the only thing I got going on on the inside. I'm glad I got some hope on the inside. He said in verse number 24, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we... We see not, then do we with patience wait for it? I'm glad our groanings are not alone. Do I have hurt? Yes. Do I have a lot of hurt? Yes. Have I been hurt? Yes. Have I hurt other people? Yes. Do I know what those groanings are like? Yes. Do I know the effects of a sin-cursed world? Yes, yes, yes to all those things. But it's not time to sit around poochy lip because I'm glad hurt's not the only thing I know about. I can tell you about hurt, but I can also tell you about hope. Amen. I'm glad I know about hurt, but I'm glad I know about hope. Amen. Thank God we have some hope. And these verses remind us that our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know this, Bible hope ain't like modern hope. It's not like worldly hope. They use the word, I hope, thinking I wish this would happen, or I really, really want this to happen, or I really, really expect this to be the outcome. That's not what hope is. Bible hope is confident 
expectation, confident anticipation. It is believing that God will do what He said He would do. Our hope is believing that what we want to happen may come to pass. But hope in God is believing that what He said would happen will come to pass. And I just want to go on record and say, I believe it this morning. I believe every promise in the book. I believe everything that He said. I believe that He is going to do everything that He said He was going to do. If He said He ain't going to leave me here, hey, I ain't staying here. Amen. If He said He's going to come back and get us. Hey, look up toward the sky because your redemption draweth nigh. He's on the way. Amen. If He said we ain't going to have to live in these sin-cursed bodies all our life, then mark it down. I'm getting a new body one day. Amen. He said there'll be no more curse. He said there'll be no more sin. He said there'll be no more sorrow. And I believe it. In fact, that's my hope. All my eggs are in one basket. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's either in Him or I'm in trouble. Amen. Because I believe Him. I, I, you cannot hang your hat on anything a politician says. You cannot hang your hat on hardly anything a preacher says. But you can hang your hat on everything Jesus said. Amen. I'm glad we have hope. I'm glad we got an anticipation. I'm glad we got faith in the future. We have an anticipation, an expectation of glory. You say, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't. I mean, it looks pretty bad. Well, you're looking at what you can see. See, he tells us in this text, we don't trust our eyes. We trust the Bible. We don't trust our eyes. We trust the Spirit of God. He said, in fact, if you can see it, it's not hope. Know what he says? Hope is not what you can see. In fact, that's the definition of faith, right? Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what hope is. If you got it, you don't hope. I don't hope to be married because I got it. Amen. I won. Amen. Hit the lottery. Praise God. Or the jackpot. Won the lottery. Hit the jackpot. I don't, you don't hit the lottery. I guess people do this when they lose, right? They keep hitting the lottery over and over, but they don't hit the jackpot. There's a difference. But I remember that year before me and Heather got married, we were engaged. That was the worst year of my life. It really was. I was living up an hour, a half, two hours away or so, or Sacka, Georgia, going to Bible college. And Heather's, Heather's living over in Alabama. Her parents moved to Alabama. We got, we got engaged, and then they moved to Alabama. They moved far away. And I moved up. I moved to Bible college. That was a horrible year. That was awful. All I could think about was, man, when is this, this going to end? I was ready for it to be over because I had some hope. Now, I, I had a confident expectation of what was going to happen at the end of that year, but that, that year was just waiting, hoping for something that I could not see. But oh, when hope was realized, what a glorious, glorious day it was. And I'm glad we got hope. I'm glad my groanings are mixed with hope. And our entire attitude about our present situation really is controlled by the hope that we have because really 
there's, there's, there's a difference between, we talked about this in our little focus group uh, after church Wednesday night. We have a little focus group after church to talk about the message. <clears throat> but there's a difference between groaning and grumbling. Amen. Good. Bible doesn't say we grumble. Bible doesn't say we complain. Bible says we groan. And see, what the difference is, hope, hope is the difference. Hope is the difference. Because groaning and grumbling can almost sound almost exactly the same. Displeasure about your current situation. Groaning, grumbling. What's the difference? The difference is groaning is mixed with hope. Groaning says, Lord, I believe that it ain't always going to be like this. Amen. Groaning is, God, I don't like it. God, I'm in pain. But Lord, I believe you're going to fix everything Amen. one day. Groaning is, Lord, help me. God, I don't like it. But Lord, I love you anyway. You're good anyway. You're going to take care of all of it anyway. Groaning has hope. Amen. Grumbling is hopelessness. Grumbling is, oh, this is awful, and it ain't ever getting better. Grumbling is, this is awful, and God, it's all your fault. Lord, why'd you let this happen to me? Come on now. Grumbling is the Eeyore syndrome. Just all bad all the time. There's a difference between groaning and grumbling. One has hope. One has expectation. One has faith. One has anticipation. And the other is absolute hopelessness. It's all right to complain as long as you take it to the right person. You see... The psalmist, when he complained, what did he do? A lot of times it's worded like this. I was doing a little studying on this this week. A lot of times he, he, he words it like this, that he takes his complaint and he does what with it? He said, I pour out my complaint. The, 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 the picture there, when you pour out something, it's, it's an offering to God. It's a drink offering. It's giving it to God, right? I'm taking this complaint and I'm giving it to you. That's groaning. That's all right. But when you take your complaint and you take it to somebody else because you want them to feel miserable right along with you, that's when it's sin. That's the murmuring that God hates. That's the complaint that'll make God really mad if you don't believe it. Read the book of Numbers. Amen. But with God... He said, bring me all of it. Because when you pray, when you bring that to God, what do you have? You're having, it's hope. It's God, I know you can help me. I know you're there for me. God, I know you care about my situation. Casting all your care upon Him. For He careth for you. And it's there for you. Can I give you, give you a verse the Lord showed me this week? I want you to go to it. Go to the book of Job real quick. Let me give you a verse the Lord showed me, gave to me this week. I'm almost done. Job 21. Look at Job 21. Job's right before the Psalms. 
a lot I could say about Job, but I would say if anybody had a reason to grumble, it'd be Job. If anybody had a reason to groan, in fact, there's several verses where he talks about his, his groaning. But this is, the, this is the verse, and this would be worth underlining if you underline in your Bible. This one might be worth making a little note about it because it's verse number 4, Job 21 and verse number 4. Look what Job said. He said, As for me, is my complaint to man? And if it were so, why should not my spirit be troubled? That's a great question to ask yourself anytime you're complaining, anytime you find yourself grumbling, and you're trying to figure out, am I grumbling or am I groaning? Ask yourself this question. Am I taking my complaint to man or am I taking it to God? That's a great question, isn't it? He said, is my complaint to man? And he said, and if it were so, if it is to man, why should not my spirit be troubled? Can I just, let me hit this and I'm moving on because we've got to go. But listen, complaining to other people and grumbling to other people, that'll never help you. Your spirit will remain troubled. You have never gotten help one time by vomiting up gossip, vomiting up trouble putting a post on social media, vomiting up all your problems. It's never helped your spirit one time. But can I tell you, every time I've ever took my complaint to God, every time I've ever took my troubled heart to God, He's given me help every single time. I left away, I left the prayer closet with my spirit refreshed and revived and renewed. What's the difference? The difference is who you take your trouble to. We're all going to have complaints. We're all going to have discomfort in life. We're all going to have trouble in life. But let me ask you a question. Your complaint, is it to man? And if it is, why shouldn't your spirit be troubled? Why isn't it troubled? I mean, why wouldn't it be? Man can't help you. Foul Job, if you read all this in context, he, he's mad because his friends of his won't shut up and listen to him. He told him the next verse or two, he said, put your hand over your mouth. <laughs> he said, do this. Shut up. <laughs> you know what Job finds out? Complaining to man don't help. That's why he cried out in other texts than Job. You can read he cried out. He said, I wish I could go to God. I wish I had an audience with God. I wish I knew where he was. I can't find him anywhere. But can I tell you, if you're saved by the good grace of God, you got something Job don't have. you got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Hey, let's move to point three. You ready? because that puts us right into point three. You ready? We got that spirit of God because our groanings are made with hurt. They're mixed with hope. But I'm thankful that our groanings are met with help. Isn't that what he said? Look, go back to Romans. Go back to Romans. Isn't that what we have? We got something Job don't have. We got something Job didn't have. And what is that? We got the spirit of God living on the inside of us. And what does that spirit of God do? He says in verse number 26... He said, likewise, the Spirit also what? Helpeth. Thank God we got some help. Thank God we got some help. We have help in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's helping our infirmities. I don't know about you, but I feel like i got a lot of infirmities. I feel like I'm infirm just all the time. And I'm glad that I got the Holy Spirit of God and He's helping me along. Now, how does He help us? Can I tell you, what's the greatest help? See, to me, the greatest help you can give me, fix my problem. You want to help me? Fix it. I got, yeah, yeah. 
You really want to help me? Okay, why don't you pay, why don't you pay my bills this month? That'd be a blessing. That'd really help me out. Yeah, you, you want to help me? You want to help me out? Why don't you knock somebody upside the head for me? That would really help me out. I can't do it because I can't be a striker, the Bible says. But if you do it, you know, it'd be all right. That, if you want to help me out, fix my problems. Take care of my troubles. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. What is, he, what's, what, what is the best help you could ever do for anybody? Pray for them. What does the Holy Spirit do? What does, you, what does your Bible say? He's making intercession. He's praying for us. That's the greatest help you can give anybody. Can I give you, let me just give you a little, quick little outline about the, about the prayers of the Holy Spirit. Number one, they're compassionate prayers. You see that? He says that at the end of verse number 26, the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with what? Groan. Whoa, hold on a second. What's the Holy Spirit groaning about? What's He groaning about? He's God. Right? Yeah, but he's a God that cares about you. I'm glad we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And what do we have inside of us? We have the Spirit. But in in one place, he's called the Spirit of Christ. And Jesus cares about what we're going through. Not only that, you can read John chapter number 11. You'll find two places in John 11 where the Bible says Jesus at the graveside of a loved one. What did he do? He groaned in his spirit. Jesus knows and he cares. I'm glad he's not just... Every other religion has some kind of aloof, far away, they don't give a rib about you, God. You can't know them, you can't have a personal relationship with them, but only Christianity has a God that became man and dwelt among us. He knows what it's like to be hungry and thirsty and tired and weary and sad, and He knows where you're at, and He knows what you're going through. And when He left this earth and you got saved, He put His Spirit inside of you, and now when you groan, He groans. And His groanings go to where? They go to God. It's the right kind of groaning directed at God. And they're such amazing groanings that they can't even be uttered. We don't even have words. It's not words. It's beyond words. Isn't that amazing? But God understands every single bit of it. The Spirit cares about you. You say, I don't believe anybody cares about me. If you've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside, you've got somebody inside of you that cares about you. The Spirit of God has sensibility. He can be quenched. He can be grieved. All kind of thing. He has feelings. He cares about what you're going through. So nobody cares. You're a liar. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but you're lying to yourself. You're preaching heresy to yourself. God cares. Jesus cares. The Holy Ghost cares. Amen. They're compassionate prayers. They're correct prayers. They're always right. They're always right. He always prays. In fact, the text tells us here that we don't even know what we ought to pray for. Now, that don't mean, do, that don't, mean don't pray. It just means know this, that if you want to be honest, most stuff you're praying about, you're wrong. You're wrong. But don't worry about it too bad because the Holy Spirit takes your prayers and He translates them. He repairs them. He, 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 he patches them up. He says, no, this is stupid. All right, we'll take this out. Okay, why are you praying for that? No, God, ain't, God don't care about that. Lord, please, you know, help my whatever hit a you know, home run or help my team win. Okay, that's stupid. Quit praying for the Braves, Chris. 
Lord, please. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you all the stupid stuff I pray for. <sighs> but the Holy Spirit says, no, I'll take his prayer and I'll get it to God and it'll be the right one. Hey, but I don't feel too bad because I was reading over in 2 Corinthians 12. There was a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul, and he kept praying for stuff God didn't want to answer either. Right. Three times. Lord, take his thorn out of me. No. Take his thorn. No. He kept praying. He didn't even know what he didn't even know what he was supposed to pray for. He don't know what he's supposed to pray for. I don't feel that bad. Amen. He didn't even know all that he's supposed to. But you know what the Spirit, every time. <laughs> Man, I like this. Every time Paul prayed for removal of the thorn, the Spirit kept asking God, said, Lord, give him more grace. <laughs> Paul said, get this thorn out of me. And the Spirit said, uh, actually, just give him some more grace. I need this thorn. Go, no, he needs more grace. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I'm glad I got the Spirit of God. He's fixing my prayers. He always prays right. And his prayers, what are they based on? Why are they always right? Verse 27 at the end of it. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. He always prays in the will of God. He is a part of the Trinity. He's a part of the triune God. They're in complete, perfect, 100% harmony together. They have never disagreed about one thing ever. Now, me and God, we disagree all the time. But the Holy Spirit and God, they never disagree. And they're always right. You're never going to get the Spirit to pray for something that's not in the will of God. Because He always makes His intercessions according to what? The will of God. And so I say, Lord, you say, Lord, fix my back. And the Holy Spirit says, no, He just needs more patience. Why is it all the stuff we, uh, every, all the stuff we pray for, all of our prayer requests are usually, you know, name that body part, you know, foot and arm and leg and kidney and liver and all that. And there ain't nothing wrong praying for that stuff. I'm going to tell you, what do you think God's most concerned about? I think he's really concerned about... You, know, you don't ever hear somebody ask prayer, you know, they're always, you know, pray for my foot or pray for my whatever. You don't ever hear somebody say, hey, pray for me. I got a really bad temper. Nobody ever says that. I've never heard that on Wednesday night. Pray for me. I'm just struggling with lust this week. <laughs> Come on now. Pray for me. I was yelling at my wife last night. I'm just mad at her. Just, I know we're sitting here together smiling, but I just, man, I hate her guts right now. Pray for us. Pray for our home. You're too stinking proud to get honest with God so the Holy Spirit will get honest for you. And He's going to pray for what's really in the will of God and what's really on the mind of God. And He does it with those groanings because He cares. And because it's always in the will of God, they're compassionate prayers, they're correct prayers, but they're always confirmed prayers. God always hears them. He always acknowledges them. He always does because it says right here that he which searches the hearts. Now, who's that talking about? Well, honestly, you could apply that to God the Father or God the Son. There's text in the Bible that says God searches the hearts. There's text in the Bible that says Jesus knows people's hearts. You apply that to whoever you want to. All I know is, is that God knows what is on the mind of the Spirit. Amen. And His prayers are always known by God. Miss Maddie, I want you to come to the piano. I'm done, I'm done. But the truth is this about groaning, that it is hurt, and it comes out of hurt. Look, let me tell you something. You're, in Exodus 2, the people of God were groaning. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the Lord heard them. 
We read on Wednesday night, we read Judges 2. The people, they're living in idolatry, wickedness. God's judging them. But when they started to cry out to God, he, he heard them. Even, you'll find even wicked kings in the Bible like Ahab and Manasseh. When they started crying out to God, humbled themselves, what did he do? He heard them. I don't, man, I don't know what it is about God, but he just can't. He cannot ignore somebody's groanings. Now, grumblings, I just make them mad. But groaning, he says, when you call out to me and you, there's a, you feel the weight of your sin and the bondage of this flesh and you feel it all and you just... God says, I'm listening to that. I don't even, there's times I don't even have... I, don't, I can't even... If you said, preacher, what's wrong? I can't tell you. And it's not the, like it's a secret. It's just like, I don't know. I don't even know how to verbalize it. I don't have the vocabulary. I don't have the lexicon just to spell it all out. I don't know. But I'm glad he knows. And I'm glad he cares. And every time you groan, he hears it. And he cares about you. In fact, I think the problem with us, it's not that we groan too much. I think our biggest problem is we don't groan enough. We don't take our burdens to God. We get comfortable in this world instead of getting tired of this world. We get comfortable in our sin instead of feeling sick of our sin. We need to just call out to God. And it's going to be groaning all the way to glory. But God will help you in the meantime. He hears you. He cares about you. I'm glad he's got some help for you. I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. But it would be all right just to come to God and 